Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily Podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We are the mother-daughter co-founders of the I Create Daily brand. We are passionate about encouraging positivity, creativity, and productivity while bringing you information and resources that support your creative aspirations. I Create Daily is for creators in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs. So if you're into creating anything, this podcast has something for you. So tell us, what would support you most in your journey? You can reach us at creators at iCreateDaily.com. Thank Thank you you for for joining joining us us on this journey. Hello and welcome to the iArt Daily Podcast, conversations with artists about art and creativity, sponsored by iCreateDaily.com. I'm Leora. And I'm Devani. Do you believe in the power of art and creativity? Our guest, Dana Lynn Anderson, has taught and exhibited on three continents. Her paintings have been featured on covers of books, magazines, and calendars, and her artwork, as well as her visionary thinking, have been featured in newspapers, radio, and television. In 1986, Dana founded her first transformative arts studio in Berkeley, California, a nexus for the pioneering integration of art and spirituality. In 2002, she founded Awakening Arts, an international network of artists committed to the creation of art that is uplifting and transformative. In 2009, Dana began teaching in Italy and India, establishing the Academy of Art, Creativity, and Consciousness, and developing a certification program around the transformative arts approach. The Academy has two centers near Assisi, Italy, and Portland, Oregon. So that is so inspiring. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. It's such a great delight to be here and to meet both of you. We cannot wait to share this with our audience because we have spent hours literally in awe um, of your work, your art, as well as your message um, for creators and creativity, for artists, and even those who do not think that they have an artistic bone in their body, many of which phraseology I'm sure you've heard over your career um, as an artist. And speaking of your career as an artist, multifaceted career. Take us back to your fascinating origin story as well. Like where I started doing art. Yeah. How did you, yes. So like we heard uh, an interview where you were talking about how you, like everyone else, you know, were concerned about the world and, you know, wanted to make a difference, but you thought art couldn't be that for you that you couldn't, you know, and so like, how did you, what did you do next? And then how did you, your artistic no, thing, because when you said that, I first thought of like, well, gosh, I've been doing art my whole life. I mean, yeah. I could go back to four years old and, you know, like I did art like all of us do, because I think all human beings, all children, they do art, they play, they create, you know, and I loved it so much. Um, I loved the creative process. And I was also early on, I don't know, early indigo, who knows, but, you know, we're just like a lot of people early on concerned about what was happening with the world and silent spring and, you know, all different kinds of early warnings about what was going on in our world. And I was very intent to like figure out what is the leverage point? What's the most important thing I can do to help the world. And I got my undergraduate in philosophy and my master's degree in consciousness studies. And part of that was really trying to figure out, what would be the the core reason we were so off track and how could we shift it and what could we do about it? Um, And they were both wonderful programs, but all the time, all along, I'm doing art and loving art and just 
really loving to create. And I, like my soul wanted to, to be an artist, but my mind is thinking, well, you can't do that because how's that going to help the world? You know, how's, how's my little luxurious, um, blissful experience going to help anything? Um, and then I really started to understand that the creative process is actually one of the most powerful things that we can possibly do to help the world. Mm -hmm. I remember once seeing this quote, I think it's Dostoevsky, and it says, beauty will save the world. Mm -hmm. And I just stood in front of the, like the quote I saw on the wall, just stunned, you know, beauty will save the world. And, and it started to crack open in me this recognition that it's two things. One is beauty, that the creation of beauty and the experience of beauty actually cracks us open to a bigger reality. It like, it bursts the self-enclosed bubble of our little ego identifications and breaks us into a bigger world. Beauty, just the presence and experience of beauty like we see in nature and like can be created in art. And then the other was recognizing that when we create, when we're in a creative flow, then we are actually tapping into the deepest source of power and presence and vitality and vision. And so when people, because um, I started teaching and started leading people in this process, when people hooked into their own creative process, then everything changed. You know, they would walk in I mean, literally, I have the best job in terms of before and after pictures. Yeah. <laughs> they walk in, you know, and, and people are stressed and, you know, feeling cut off and, and uh, longing, but feeling frustrated and all these different things. And after a very short period of time, people just hook in, connect to that source within, and then they feel the connection to the source of, of all of things, all life, of of the whole universe, because, you know, the, the center and uh, God who centers everywhere, circumference nowhere, that is inside of everyone. That is that source, that font of being is inside of us. And so it was really recognizing that if we want to save the world, we have to have turned on people who are in direct relationship to their own source and that source coming from within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's fantastic. Did you originate that quote, God whose uh, center is... No, actually, that is a wonderful quote that I love so much because it's been uh, perennially through history. It's carved on ancient temple ruins in the BC period. It was around during Plato's time. Um, it was picked up in the Middle Ages. It was embraced by Renaissance philosophers. Paramahansa Yogananda loved it. You know, it's like, it's this recurring and eternal, gorgeous definition. Yeah, truly it is. So when you were, so, so many in our audience are creators um, I, on, at every area of, in every aspect of the journey from thinking that maybe they can't, don't have a creative bone in their body, but are drawn to want to create mm -hmm. to actually already professional artists earning a living to, from their creativity. So um, therefore, we really get a lot out of 
learning from professional artists who are earning a living, who have managed to do that. So if you could share parts of that part of your journey as well, such as when you were teaching. Now, here you are, you have a master's in consciousness, which in and of itself is incredible and also very far, you know, like very far-sighted and expansive thinking for, you know, any 20, 22-year-old, 23 or 4-year-old to go into that as a master's. Um, plus, I mean, it makes sense if you're interested in philosophy as well. But then how did you come out, graduate with that, and then shift into teaching? What were you teaching? And then how did that transition into actually earning a living from your art? Well, I think that creativity, you know, is this mighty force that really um, the arts, in my view, are powerful because they activate and instigate creativity. But creativity is this mighty force that shows up in everything you do. And so I think that figuring out how to make a living as an artist and a creative person is an enormous creative enterprise. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. So like, you know, it requires all kinds of resourcefulness, you know, and you, you try this and you try that. And sometimes you do a little bit of, you know, graphic design on the side and teaching over here and selling a painting and, you know, like you're kind of juggling a number of different elements of it. But I did um, early on meet this wonderful artist um, who said, you know, her secret to succeeding as an artist was refusing to do anything else. <laughs> oh, wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And, and so um, I, I really put all of my energy and all of my efforts into making whatever it was that I was doing be part of that mission and part of the creative work in the in the creative field and sometimes it means you live simply but living simply is also a very beautiful thing and there's a lot of riches in that and so um i think you also sometimes have to make lifestyle choices that line up with that um but but if you feel called to do art as your as your work in the world if that's genuinely coming from the core of who you are and that's your instructions, then just like with anything else, you follow step by step, day by day, the guidance of spirit and, and your way is made in front of you. It often doesn't show you anything more than the next step. I mean, that's just part of the gig on the spiritual path period, you know, because the mind wants, I want a detailed outline of every step. And I want to know, like, assurance wise, that this is actually going to work out. And <laughs> you know, right. so, uh, yeah. all kinds of little things in place, right. I'm never duck in a row, you know, right. and that's the mind and the ego and, you know, the self protective and the spiritual path has a lot of walking on a fairy shoestring, I think that is very invisible like a tightrope, I picture, you know, like a tightrope walker, you know, you can't really see what's coming, but you can feel it. You know, you can't see it always, but you can feel it. You can feel in your soul, this is right. I know I'm supposed to be doing this. And then sometimes you're not sure and you have to kind of pause and check, you know, you can't be lazy. You can't not put out energy. You can't be uh, withholding but if you're putting out the effort and you're moving forward with courage, your way is guided. Yeah. And so there isn't really an outward world advice because it's going to be very complete. It's going to be completely different for each person. What is their 
pathway to making a vibrant life and a self-sustaining life is going to be different for each person. But what's the same is following your inner guidance. Yeah. That's excellent. What so many things come to mind as you were talking, one of which is the concept of simplicity and, and how basically a lot of what you were talking about is um, recruiting creativity to be a part of your life in whatever capacity. So not just in the art that you're creating, be that writing or cooking or painting or whatever else, but also creativity in the arrangement of your living space and the incorporation. Absolutely. You know, if you're if you love the woods, but you're in an apartment somewhere, what you can certainly do is bring in a lot of plants to be family members for you. You know, you can bring in beauty, beautiful things um, that, and without a lot of expense, you know, even a candle in a, in a holder is a beautiful thing kind of thing. So that makes so much sense. Um, also, what, can I just, yes, please. yes, because um, sometimes it's really, I think a lot of it too is continuing to think outside the box. So for instance, I'm in the Bay Area in my 20s, and one thing I love is body work. <laughs> I love getting massages, and they're expensive, right? Yes. Like, okay, I don't have any money, but I want lots of massages. What should I do? And it occurs to me, go around to the massage schools. And I did, and I signed up to be a body at the massage uh -huh. school, which meant that I went to a few demos where the class, you know, you have to be a little uninhibited, right? But then <laughs> every one of them has like, thousands of hours worth of body massages that they have to get done. And they're like, can I give you a massage? Can I give you a massage? <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. amazing. That's <laughs> so that's an example, you know, like getting the, the, what you really want. Cause we put in our mind this thing that here's what I want, but in order to get it, I need money. Mm -hmm. And so then we get focused. I need to make money. But a lot of the world, not that you can live without it, but a lot of what you want the world what you want to experience in the world can flow to you if you pay attention to the experience you want, not the means to get it. Right. You mentioned in one of your videos that we were watching before this that uh, creativity and art, the way we've been thinking about it in society has been like art is reserved for a specific class of person. And yet creativity is, it's almost not fair or not right that creativity and feeling and emoting and expressing that is reserved for just a few people. What would you tell artists who, or people who don't even think they're artists yet or creators of any kind yet, what would you tell them to start um, building that courage to take a step or to move forward on their path? Great, thank you. Um, I would say, of course, that absolutely every person is a creator. Every person is an artist. Well, think about it. Every child is. You go back. A four-year-old, if you hand them crayons, they do not need you to explain to them what to do. If you put on music, you don't have to show them how to dance. Mm -hmm. Actually, the blockages come later when you go to school and they say, well, this is how you draw and this is how you dance and this is what it looks like. And then you're like, oh, I actually I didn't know. But innately and instinctively and intrinsically, every human being is a creator. Every human being is capable of dancing and singing and picking up clay and playing with paint and doing anything uh, creative. It doesn't have to be a beautiful, perfect product. 
You know, that's the, that's the thing that we have in our head. And in fact, like what you were referring to, we have this idea that the artist is the person who can copy well by fourth grade, the person who can make the pretty picture look like it's supposed to look, oh, look, they're a good artist. And everybody else is like, I guess I'm not, you know? Yeah. It's decided early on who is the good artist. But, but art is, is something that, I turn it totally upside down for me. Art is something that triggers creativity. Hmm. And creativity is instinctive and innate in the human being. And so we have it backwards. We think, oh, in order to do art, you have to be a creative person. And certain people are creative people and certain people aren't. And that is just absolutely false. It's just not, it's not true at all. And so I actually feel quite passionate about it because I think it cuts off so much. The creative life is a vital life, a courageous life, a fulfilled life. The person, the human being is, is, flowing forth the sap of life force through their body and being when they're creative. And if you cut that off, you create withered human beings, or at least part of their body, your psyche soul is atrophied. And, and it's disempowering to a human being not to be creative. And I think probably even most importantly of all, it cuts off that aperture to the soul. Like the, when you are creative, you are opening up a direct link with the divine inside of you. When you are creative, you are serving as a channel to the life force and the intelligence and the being of the divine that is far greater than you, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's lots of names, lots of paths. It's not about that. It's about the essential presence of the divine. And it's like, I think it's a, it's a, it's a divinely given way for every one of us to experience the depths of our own soul. And so what a crazy tragedy that this would be cut off from people because they don't copy well. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's like identifying intelligence by IQ, which is basically memorization, academic, you know, yeah. uh, finesse as opposed or skills as opposed to artistic yeah, creative yeah that makes shrinking sense. your spirit into a test <laughs> yeah yeah test you that's right so take us back to when you started teaching now you're out mm -hmm. of college you started teaching what kind mm -hmm. of teaching were you doing well let's see after i got my master's degree in consciousness studies and i pretty much went straight through i went undergraduate philosophy master's in consciousness studies <clears throat> i opened with some fellow students um heart core studio like core of the heart and that was in berkeley area and we we renovated this big huge old pipe for pipe organ factory with wow. wood floors and brick walls and oh, skylights wow. and oh, it was amazing it was really cool and we just started all of us doing you know multi-modality different kinds of work we had some body workers we had some uh, artists and creative people just and, and I kind of started that studio and it was the first of several studios that um, I've had so I taught out of that but also collaborating with other people who were teaching out of it and we were able to really have a beautiful creative space where lots of different kinds of activities could happen so you so you started right out of, of the gate so to speak creating, not only teaching, but creating your own studio um, and that studios, basically. And creating with others who were doing similar work. I mean, like 
one other thing you could say besides follow your own intuition is look around and connect with the other people who are doing the same thing. Because everybody who's sort of turned on and following their own intuition is together, you know, able to co-create and collaborate and really quickly and easily go forward because when when you're following your intuition and someone else is following their intuition and you're all really seriously like sincerely and humbly seeking divine guidance then synchronicities happen and and there's an intelligence that can pull through not just you as an individual but through the collaboration of many individuals and that makes miracles that's just absolutely yeah (laughs) it's, it's sort of like when you get involved in your own creativity then um, the more you do, the more ideas you have to do and the more you can do. And this kind of, and then when you connect with others who are doing similar, just like we in our entrepreneurial family and for you working with your daughter as well, we've learned your daughter, Rachel, um, you, it, creativity is multiplied again mm-hmm. um, because yeah. you have these conversations that happen spontaneously, not meet you, some meetings. Sure. We have meetings, but, but generally, <laughs> exactly but generally it's more spontaneous like you know as things unfold so which is how creativity works creativity isn't like oh between you know 6 a.m and 12 p.m you're gonna make this thing it's more just like oh here's an idea hope you're ready to do something with it yeah Yeah, right exactly it's a life it's a living flow it's alive it really is like Mm -hmm. it's like prana it's like kundalini it's alive it's this vital force it's not an abstract cerebral, you know, concept. How would you uh, explain or uh, talk about the connection between creativity and consciousness? Well, I think, um, I think creativity absolutely expands the, the, the normal human and the normal state of the mind and and pushes you outside of the mind as a limitation because the mind is a wonderful thing, but it's mostly a wonderful thing when it's in service and right relationship with the larger identity of your being, which includes soul and heart and spirit Mm -hmm. and these other levels. And so creativity, when you've activated and and you are now a creative being, allowing that force to flow through an ever-increasing large aperture of your being, then your consciousness is absolutely expanded and, and refined also. And, and it sets you on the evolutionary path for increasing expansion of consciousness. And in fact, you know, you could look at it another way. One of the hallmarks of ever increasing expansion of consciousness is increased creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, they, really work hand in hand like as you become larger in your perspective and and have a greater sense of who you are then you have much more sensibility around your creative capacity and so I feel that creativity nourishes it it can I mean kind of back to how art is taught in school art can be taught in school in such a way that it closes people down the contemporary art world can have shows of absolutely horrifying work that is justified through this real cerebral tradition that comes out of, you know, postmodern thought that can, can really be soul, uh, not soul nourishing at all. And in fact, the opposite direction, because the arts and can degrade us as well as uplift us. It's not mm. just that everything you create is always wonderful because you can use your creative power 
um, in a negative way, but more importantly, you can shrivel it down and you're not actually creating from the vitality of spirit, you're creating from a mental concept. And that mental concept can, can block true creativity. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Um, yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And I'm really glad you spoke to that because, um, you know, we all know that art is a subjective thing. Um, and yet what you're speaking to is yes, it is subjective. And yet there's also a difference in the quality of an art that's coming from, let's say an angry place or a wounded place or a spiritual place. And, and in a way, in that regard, I would say that probably art has a role in all of those yeah. and in healing and helping to transform all of those. If it is, we're not committed to staying stuck. Or if you're not like repeating a cycle because you're so, you've almost infused your art with your pain and therefore just making more of that as opposed to using it to, to release it and move on. No, absolutely. There has to be a commitment to transformation and transmutation. And then art is an extremely potent vehicle for personal growth and transformation. But the, the bottom line is the recognition that art is a vibration and it carries a vibration. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not exactly subjective in the way that we normally use that word. You know, it, it is either angry or joyful, you know, like, yeah. it's not, and so, you know, you may like angry art, but you can't, you know, you, there's a, like awakening to recognize that everything you live with and create is a vibration that in turn influences you. And yeah. so if you want this painting on your wall that came from your depressed great aunt who killed herself, but you have it in your family because it gets passed on and it's a great painting or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. starting becoming aware, this is a vibration. Do I want this person in my house? Do yeah. I want this stream of consciousness in my field? Yes. Now that doesn't mean you don't go through the depths of hell in your healing process, but you march down there to the deepest, darkest places and are willing to move through things, as you say, to move through it and transmute it. Yes. And then the anger can become the red paint and the red paint gets placed on picture after picture after picture until suddenly you just have to throw black on it. And then you crunch the paper up and you roll it into a ball and you throw it on the ground and it splats. And like, this is an extremely powerful process because you're taking anger, which normally comes with a mental story too. Like anger is yeah. like, I they did this and then that and, and it's tied to you because you have a big, it's stitched to your soul because you have a story about it. Mm -hmm. And when you turn that anger into energy, into creativity, into color into water into clay or whatever it is then you actually have in your hands the ability to do alchemical work mm -hmm. where that anger is deeply transmuted into a release and and then you feel like coming over and singing to it and dropping little pieces of yellow onto it like there's like i mean i've i've know these because i've seen these things yes you know, and then you find a feather and you put it in that little thing and then you weep and, and it becomes the most important object you've ever seen in your life, a, a, a smashed piece of clay with a feather sticking out of it. 
Yeah. But that person's process has moved them out of something that they may have spent 30 years in therapy understanding completely yes. and not been able to change. Absolutely. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's yeah, it is so poignant and such vitally important concepts and work for people to do and for you to share that um, because it gives us one of the problems with emotional pain is that it's invisible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, physical pain, I hurt my arm. I can put my hand on it. I can put a salve on it and it can feel better. I can see it. I know the source. I know what it looks like and what caused it, et cetera. But emotional pain, you know, it can be so intangible, which is one of the reasons it's very, very crippling. Same thing with depression. And, and so what you're describing is taking that from the inside out, getting it there for you to see and deal with and control in a way, because now it's out. It's no longer controlling me. I am the creator of this right. creation and I will transform it. And by doing that from the inside out, you are making, you're opening that space, that aperture of the soul for healing to take place. It reminds yeah. me of, I think it's a Robin Williams movie, but I don't remember, but it's like he dies or his wife dies or something. And dreams they, come. what dreams, what may dreams come. may come. Yeah, and, and, and they just depict two people like he's in this heaven type state. And then the wife, she, like it, that was what I was thinking while you were talking about. You go through those depths and then you yeah. come out. And she was an artist, I'm pretty sure, in yeah. the movie. Right, right. And yeah, she, she went was, through those yeah. depths and you could see several times she was almost losing it, but mm -hmm. she eventually comes out and she eventually figures it out. And that's really the process you're speaking about is just you go through it, but then you change it and transform it and you're a better person because of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. And I think one of the, another thing that occurred as you were speaking has to do with um, our stages of growth in a way. And I don't mean in a linear fashion necessarily, but just as a process of evolution individually. Um, and that is that, so we may start with a certain kind of art and that may trans transform. So like any artist that wonder, you know, what is their brand? What is their artist identity? You know, and some people worry that they don't have a uniformity of, of looks, you know, but it really, in reality, we're not all necessarily uniform. And so it makes sense that that would evolve, including as it is that you're finding your note um, as an artist, as it is that you're evolving, like from lower to higher states of consciousness even. Mm -hmm. So along those lines, can you share like, did you grow up in a spiritually oriented family? Is that how you started um, your consciousness studies so early on? Yeah, I would say I did. My, um, my, my grandparents were doing past life regressions. <laughs> and my, my father was definitely um, involved in uh, just a perspective of consciousness. And my mother was involved in going to different groups that were working with tarot and astrology and ancient teachings of the great white brotherhood and all these different things. And, um, and so, yes, I think it was, it was really an early journey for me. I can't remember when I wasn't wanting to know what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? And, you know, how can I, how can I grow towards, towards infinite consciousness or however my brain put it at different points. So then along the lines of the previous comment about your own art style, which is just ethereal and exquisite and just so expansive uh, and beautiful. Cosmic. Cosmic. Did that, 
So has that been so imbued, you know, from the beginning or how has that, how has your artist journey evolved in that regard? Well, I think that again, it's, it's, that's back to that sense of origin, originality and authenticity. Like if you are coming from your own deep origin, then your work evolves and changes and you go through different, you know, maybe cycles with it. Um, but, but you will find that people will, always look at it and go, oh, that's, so, that's your work, isn't it? They can recognize the energy, even if the form changes, you know, where it's really kind of an odd, you know, the whole contemporary, the whole contemporary art and gallery scene, museum scene, in, in my view, is, is still locked in the, the older paradigm that we're moving out of. And so, you know, galleries, part of my commitment to creating spaces like I have and like I have in Italy and, and Portland is, is the recognition that we need venues where a new kind of understanding of art and creativity can flourish. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you have to create things that look alike in order to show you're coherent is really false. Mm -hmm. I think you have to create from such a deep place that the energy is so clearly you that no one can deny that that's your work. And then there's an amazing fascination with how it might evolve, you know? So, so it's, you know, everything in society from the, the era we're leaving, call it the age of matter or the age of form, is outside in. It's appearance-based. It's how does it look? And we are entering into an age of energy, I, I believe, uh, where it's inside out. And the forms are going to be constantly changing. I mean, we are in a period of exponential change. There is no slowing it down. And yes. so forms are going to be going like this. So you cannot reasonably base your systems on forms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think that's so important because so many artists struggle with what is my brand? And it's sort of like, well, I guess part of what you're saying is your brand is the journey you go on to become who you are. Whatever you create after that is the art from your journey. And so it doesn't need the style. It doesn't need the uniform style. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the spaces you're creating? Yeah, I would love to. And I'm just going to say one more thing about that. Like there's a difference between like, uniformity on the surface and coherency from deep within mm. and a brand I think is is a process of becoming clear and coherent mm. and then you're going you know this is my energy this is my vibe mm. and here's how it shows up and 10 years from then you still have that energy and that vibe clarifying and getting ever more coherent but what shows up on the surface could shift and change but yeah. that's that's different than just saying anything goes, you know, mm -hmm. or it doesn't matter, you know, whatever you want to create, because there is that deep inner journey that can place. So to the places, I'd love to speak about that because I, I believe in the hive. I believe in the nexus. I believe that if you create environments where there is like a field, like a shimmering field of potentiality, then you don't have to do much of anything, but walk mm -hmm. in the space, you know, like it creates this energy that draws up and out of you the, the creative flow. And so that's what I try to create in my spaces. We have in Assisi, for instance, we have a gallery where we show art and that is art that hopefully is uplifting and inspiring. Mm -hmm. 
And then we have in the studio a place where we've created a very safe container that whatever you bring forth is brought forth with that intention of transformation and transmutation and everything is held with compassion. Um, it's like creating a, almost like a space of meditation, like you become the blue sky and the clouds pass through you and the creations mm -hmm. come through you, but you are actually holding a space of consciousness that is large enough to embrace whatever it is that comes through. And so the approach of the transformative arts method is not actually to go looking for shadow material. Like we actually don't do anything to kind of look down to where we can dig up because it, whatever's ripe to be healed just comes up. Mm -hmm. and, and what we do is hold a space and then establish within that space, not only the safety on the sort of say horizontal level, but also the vertical level of high intention. So we start with prayer or meditation or chanting or singing. We do things that in a, you know, in a universal way, allow people to call forth the highest intention for what they're doing. And I believe that's literally creating magnetism. That's like a tractor beam that draws the energy up so that when things arise, they are held in a space that gives embrace, but also can, can help uplift and transmute. And so that's what those spaces are. And they're also nexuses for multiple people to come and create that together again in that synergy. Right. So you do that once a year in Italy, uh, ACC Italy. And do you also do it in the U.S.? Still? Yes, I had been working quite a bit out of Portland, and now I'm traveling more when I come to the U.S. and doing things in uh, different places, Seattle and uh, California and, and other places. But Assisi has a wonderful center that is, um, and that is an, it's an incredible area. I don't know if you guys have been to Italy. I've heard a lot about it, yes, but have not been. The land of St. Francis is, is just a, a very sacred land that you can go to sites where he lived and where he meditated and you feel this really powerful, spiritually uplifting energy. And it's a pilgrimage spot, spot for millions over the years. So there's a power to that. And Assisi is also an international city of peace. So there's a lot of beauty there. And there's the beauty of the Renaissance and the pre-Renaissance artists and the land itself. And then we're about 25 minutes outside of Assisi, up in the hills. Mm -hmm. And we're right across from the Ananda Yoga and Meditation Retreat Center, which is one of Europe's largest and oldest uh, retreat centers for yoga and meditation. So it's really a gorgeous location. And a lot of people come and they take the classes or the training programs and then they're walk across the street and you're in Piazza Nanda where you can hear six different languages being spoken at the same time. It's a real international place. Um, and every year we do classes that anybody could come to. And then the transformative arts certificate program, which teaches the method that I've developed, which is essentially distilling like, the decades of work I've been doing over these years into ways to, to help people catalyze into that space as quickly and as joyfully as possible. So tell us more about that, about how many people come. Uh, do they stay on the premises um, or there, is there a facility nearby, lodging nearby? 
Well, it, it, you know, it varies. I, I have a number, a lot more people coming for the classes. Like, um, then we have a, sh a smaller group coming for the training program. And the people who are in the training program, they take the classes, but then we also work before and after the classes and in between. And then um, there's lots of choices for places to stay nearby. There's an agriturismo across the street. There's many different places. Sometimes people rent a house together. So there's a lot of options. I mean, they're just, once they sign up, that we kind of support them in finding what works for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's meals across the street at Ananda or um, in the agriturismo or people, can get if they get their own apartments they can also just buy groceries and cook because it's it's fairly inexpensive in italy at least in umbria compared to certainly compared to california right, right. <laughs> so so are you doing these classes just throughout the summer or is it like one major class that's continual all summer long i do a lot of different classes okay. and so um it's kind of fun for the students too because then they get to go through little different groups so like they're there for the whole three months right the transformative arts students and there might be a weekend course and there's 16 people then that there's a five-day course and there's 10 people and on and on throughout the summer and different people are in these different courses so they get to watch well you know not only get the different content of the different courses but watch how it happens when a whole group of people comes in they go through an experience then another group of people comes in they go through an experience it gives you a pretty broad spectrum of of how it affects different people and how to work with different people and so then we might as the transformative arts students might afterwards after a class for instance say well um what do you do when somebody has an experience like that uh, person in class today where they seemed like they were going through this or that how do you address that or how do you know what to do when this happens and so you kind of get like facilitator guidance that you wouldn't get inside the class awesome yeah so about how many uh, typically go through to be certified your certification program it, it's, summer? it changes but I would say maybe six eight 10 it's a small group generally speaking it's, i think it's fantastic that you're offering that to students and it's such a uh, just the whole thing the whole from classes for students to all the way to the certification it's really brilliant to do that to take it out of the mainstream academia the place where we learn that there is a certain way that's acceptable versus um you know tapping in helping people learn and creators learn how to tap into mm -hmm. their essence, the essence of their own core and of creativity. And it's yeah. really freeing people to go and experience their own journey as opposed yeah. to here's the model, go follow it. Yeah. Also, one thing I wanted to say there too is that like in the beginning, um, several of my students came and, and one was on her way to an art therapy program in France and another was signed up for an art therapy program in England. And after taking a few classes, they both stayed and took my program instead. Mm. And what I found was um, that for a lot of people who are drawn into art therapy, you know, um, that the normal classes and the normal programs of art therapy spend a whole lot of time on the, the, the dysfunctions and the darkness of the human yeah. soul. And and I am not at all saying art therapy is not a wonderful thing. It is. I am glad there are art therapists. But there is a whole territory that's outside of that, that many people are drawn to facilitate and teach and share in. And they are highly sensitive souls that exposure to the worst of human nature is not necessarily very helpful for them. 
And what they are good at is working with people who are, you know, fairly well-adjusted, go to expanded and higher states. So I would say that's kind of the specialty in a sense. Yeah. So, and it's, it's an important field because not only is there healing always involved with that, but there is um, levels. So the spectrum we spend time on is normal up into much higher and more expanded and, and transformative states of consciousness. And it's turned out to be really helpful for people who are drawn to work in healing with the arts, but are, are really not getting what they need out of, out of a typical art therapy program. Well, Perfect. it makes so much sense from the standpoint too of, you know, one of the ways to diffuse the dark is to add more light. You know, and so mm. we don't always have to stand in the dark room and address the fact that we're in a dark room and that dark <laughs> exists, you know? but rather mm. we can just turn on more light, exactly. you know, and then the light will send the shadows scurrying, yeah. you know, and, and to the place where the more we cultivate that, the more we can call upon that at will to diffuse the shadows. I mean, that's sort of the symbology that was coming to mind as you were speaking. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the, uh, I saw it from Darren Hardy of Success Magazine, where he would take a a dirty water, like dirty glass of water, and then just keep pouring the clear water in, as opposed to being like, well, this is a dirty glass of water. That sucks. Let's go back to where that came from. <laughs> but just pouring the clean water in, it's, it's what a lot of what you're doing is like, let's just address the light and help mm -hmm. that go come through you. Right. And it's not spiritual bypassing, though, because it's not like we're going, huh, no, I don't have any anger. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not just going, oh, anger is bad. You got to get rid of it right away. We're actually acknowledging that all of the emotions are states of energy, vibration, and consciousness. And that if we take out the story, um, which is a very therapeutic thing to do. This is part of what you're doing in therapy is right. You're unstitching the story and allowing it to operate as energy, consciousness, and vibration. Then you can become the magician of that. You can be the person who orchestrates the transmutation of those energies. Fantastic. Well, I know if we were to sign up for art classes or any kind of art uh, retreat, academy, what have you, yours would definitely be that. For right now, we are artists of words um, <laughs> and content out on media publishing, creating journals and that sort of thing. And elevating artists like you through Elevate, podcasting. Yes, so, but I know that, in fact, watching your going through your art and your videos, Devani kept saying, oh, it makes you want to paint. Oh, it makes you want to paint. So, <laughs> Johnny, come paint. I have to say, one person after taking one of my classes, there was a five-day painting course, and two months later, I got a book in the mail from them. They said, I've been trying to finish this novel for years, and I finally did. Yeah. Well, Amazing. Well, that's it. I mean, absolutely. You <clears throat> unleash creativity, yeah. and art is just one way of doing that. That's so. amazing you say that. We, ho we uh, for the first time uh, starting in 2019 in January, we hosted an art challenge and it was just going to be visual art. Um, but people kept asking, I'm a writer. Um, I'm a poet. I'm a musician, whatever. Can yeah. I do this? And we were like, you know what? Sure. Fine. <laughs> and let's do this. And what we saw was this amazing awakening of people realizing it's creativity they need. And the medium is whatever addresses what they want to say or express. And so that was a beautiful process to watch people who thought they were writers dip 
into paint or yeah. painters say, oh, I have a poem inside me. Yeah. yeah. You know, Absolutely. so but along the lines of you know the medium, um, can you share like your work is just so fascinating. You have some wonderful videos. You want to let the cat out? Okay, yeah. you have a cat at the door. <laughs> let the cat out. Devani's gonna. Um, so if you could just for those listening, um, and we'll of course include links to your site where people can go and find your wonderful work, and we hope that they will spend time consuming it at length. Um, tell us about your process. So just in general, what is your art medium? What do you, how did you, how have you evolved it? What is your main, you know, like you include, I know I'm asking a lot of things in one, so it's all encompassing to whatever you would like to share about your work, including how you achieve the exquisite colors, the uh, ethereal forms, just all of that. How do you create? Okay. Um, well, I create much in the way I teach, which is to, you know, to, to, um, try to always open the channel, attune and align to the highest and, um, and follow the intuitive flow. And so I never went out and learned a lot of techniques externally. I have invented techniques that came from the demand of the moment. Like, mm. oh, I want to do this. I wonder how I could do that. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and also like, you know, just in a flow stage is, kind of operating intuitively to, to do things. In general, I'd say, you know, like on the most practical of all levels, I love golden fluid acrylic paints because they mm -hmm. can be very fluid but have a high color value for the viscosity. Um, I paint a lot of wet and, you know, move the canvas around and do layers. I do a lot of different layers of things and I play a lot with chalk or oil pastel or other things intermixing with it um and i see what's emerging and try to help it come out you know um but i would mention that like where my process has led me as of late i don't know if you saw the ancient future video but basically um i the last two years i've been really engaged in creating a multimedia performance art piece mm. Times in the past, but this one was really uh, a major project, and we performed it in April at a conference on climate change and consciousness at Findhorn Community. Hmm. But there's a wonderful, uh, there's a six-minute kind of behind-the-scenes overview video, and then there's also a 40-minute um, edit of the performance that's on my DanaLynnAnderson.com site that has the ancient future thing, and that's an amazing process because basically what that was was entering into the mythic realms and creating like whole stories and scenes and I worked with costumes and and sets and and all these different kind of layers of it and the and the purpose of it was um speaks to kind of what we've been talking about but more on the collective level which is that I personally feel that we are coming into times of of incredible change and challenge and um, it is probably not going to be, in my view, hope doesn't come from saying all these terrible things aren't going to happen. Hope comes from saying the world is falling apart and there is a new story that's emerging from that. Mm -hmm. And so rather than saying we can hope that nothing happens and the ice will refreeze and business can be as usual, where hope, hope is found in telling the story that happens at the end of that process. So this performance piece begins with the end of the world. It mm. begins with the dissolution. That's the start. That's not the end. That's the start. And then the journey that takes our heroine 
into the discovery of the seeds of the new civilization. And so that's what I believe as artists also we in these times, why were you born in these watershed times? Not just to do your own creativity, although that's a beautiful thing and that I believe will take you to these places, but to really uh, be channels of hope and inspiration and light for this challenging situation of our world. Yes. Sorry. Uh, It just reminded me of the hero, the Joseph Campbell's hero's journey of just starting at this point of maybe you're unsure, you don't know what's going on in the world, it's too overwhelming, to just taking that journey and realizing there's an end and the end is a new beginning type thing where we spiral up and evolve. Yeah, absolutely. So you, when you create and you, you center yourself, you have a meditative moment or chant or prayer or mm-hmm. music, um, and then you let it flow. So do you start without any particular idea in mind and you let you begin to put color on canvas um, after that meditative period? I do both. I think um, on a soul, creative soul nourishment level, it's important to do the start from the unknown, um, at least sometimes, like to let what you may not know yet come through. Um, and then, um, but when I do start with an idea, um, it's not, uh, uh, it's not a process of imposing that idea and making it show up. It's like holding it very, uh, clearly, but gently and allowing it to be the, the compass or beacon of the process. So maybe I'm having an idea about a high Himalayan mountain peak and I'm starting to, to paint. And as I'm painting, all these crystalline structures are coming out and I'm like, well, that was the original idea, but that's what's emerging. So it actually becomes a co-creative dance with the divine. And that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a wonderful description. And um, it's sort of like a, um, a, med- a mantra meditation. So it's sort of like the art and the creativity becomes from the core becomes your mantra as you yeah, meditate. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like a, it's like a communion. I mean, I've had profound senses of the feeling of God's presence while I'm painting, because if you're in this moment by moment, self-offering, opening your heart, trying to receive divine guidance, I mean, that is like prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. And you can really have profound experiences of the presence of the divine in your heart, in your hands, in your psyche. Absolutely. And it's so needed. So back to your ancient future video yeah. performance. Did you write the script of that as yeah, well? Yeah, and in a similar way. Like to me, the costumes, the words, the dance, all these things came out of that same process. And then it was a theater is a, is a collaborative process. So, you know, then other people came in who brought their ideas and music and dance. And we started to become more of a synergy and a, and a collaboration. Oh, that'd be um, wonderful to see. Yeah, I really, I would love to hear what you think after you see it. Okay, yeah. definitely. We will share that and we will definitely link that in the show notes as well. What comes to mind is, you know, so transformation uh, is always challenging, but for the most part, I, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say always because there are always exceptions, but in particular, transformation from lower to higher forms. So, you know, it's as if planetarily, we're going, we're in the chrysalis, we're going from the caterpillar, we're entering the chrysalis and we're to emerge the beautiful butterfly of, you know, the higher aspect of what we can become. Yeah, absolutely. And you have heard the story, haven't you, of the imaginal cells? 
in that process. Okay, so this is beautiful. So in that process, the, the, the caterpillar actually completely melts, right? Dissolves utterly. They become goo, right? right. They, their form dissolves. And mm. in that uh, goo, in that gel, there are what are called um, imaginal cells. And they are cells that are like of the new form, but at first, the old form is reading them as um, viruses or, you know, these are foreign cells because they don't fit our current conception. Totally not caterpillar. And so the immune system starts attacking the imaginal cells. Wow. But what happens is at a certain point, you know, the imaginal cell becomes the stronger orientation and the, and the, re, the building of the next structure is in alignment with those cells and the intelligence they're carrying. And I love that image because all of us as visionary artists are imaginal cells in our culture right now. Yeah. We are holding visions of what can be. And um, it doesn't always fit the old system. Like you were saying earlier, um, you know, the poor person like, well, your artwork isn't consistent. I don't see two pots and a woman in every piece here, you know, (laughs) and, and it doesn't, it doesn't get understood. And another analogy that I love that's similar to that is just that in in any given system, things that don't fit are perceived as noise. This is dissipative structure theory by Ilad Prigogine that, you know, it's just received this noise and, and, and the system tries to turn it off or tune it out. And at a certain point, the noise becomes so overwhelming that the present system collapses and the noise um, bombards the system. And at that point, there's actually a choice point because it can dissolve the system and fall down to a lower level because all of the intelligence just gets lost Mm -hmm. or it can reconfigure at a higher level and everything that was previously considered noise becomes information. All of it was information all along, Mm -hmm. but the system could not perceive it as information. Right. Especially when it is closed to uh, evolving, you know, to going up that next turn of the spiral. It's sort of like, like a caterpillar, looks nothing like a butterfly, you know, or nothing like the chrysalis or the cocoon. Um, and yet each stage, you know, so it's like if we are, and, and that one of your videos, there's something you said, let's see, I don't know if we have it handy. Um, I quoted it here. Let's see, do you have it? Let's see. It's something about the way art basically informs us more of the future than the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, oh, so absolutely. We'll, yeah, whoops. <laughs> One of the only places in our whole, you know, spectrum of culture where we're actually receiving information from the future. And we are in a time period where we can't afford to keep getting our information from the past because it didn't work in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and an exponential change means that it's outdated. Most right. of it. We have to start pulling in our visions and our information and our guidance from what has not yet existed. Right. And that's we love, the specialty of the artist. Yeah, exactly. We and we love everything about the show for all of that, uh, for all of those reasons, including that one of the things that we constantly harp on is the um 
the vital and essential role of creators in this transformation because I mean just the thought that and it's anyone creating anything especially consciously intentionally seeking to bring beauty into the world seeking to bring higher vibration into the world consciousness into matter means light into dark and to transform that and so whenever anyone spends time creating something with those intentions in mind just like meditating with those intentions or singing with those intentions like that area of Assisi, Italy, um, we are raising the vibrational, um, the vibration of our area, our relationships, etc., and that's what's needed in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has been so wonderful. Do you have any other thing before we close? Yes, uh, a couple things. We do have a couple closing questions that are a little more like rapid question answer. Um, one of them is: Do you have a daily creative habit? or structure or? Um, I would say a daily uh, self-offering and opening. And what, what does that look like? Is it more meditative? It, is it, it could be different things. Like, you know, yes, I do yoga. Yes, I do meditation. Yes, I do creative work. Um, and I don't, I don't function that well with at 9 a.m. I'm going to do this for 15 minutes. I'm not, um, I'm not fed and nourished by hyperstructure. Um, so I have more like continual intention and commitment to be, uh, working with self-offering and opening the channel, but I use lots of modalities for that. <laughs> well, that's really on brand with what you stand for and represent. Living so. intentionally, yes. Yeah. And what we love asking this question, um, what, what is your future vision of your work, your art, your creativity, what you're plan just in the future okay well i thought you said short <laughs> never take well time. take your time <laughs> so i'm i am um, i'm working on uh developing more transformative arts teachers so that that can go on without me and uh you know i can special guest in the meantime but have more and more people teaching that method because i think it's really valuable um i'm working on a book which I hope to have finished by May of this year. And um, it's on art, creativity, and consciousness. And uh, title. May, uh, do you mean by May of 2020? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You're already living in the future. So. Yeah. I'm going to be done with it soon. <laughs> behind me. Yeah. Um, and then I would really, I really want to continue to develop the academy in Italy as a place where, um, you know, more and more vital nexus for art and consciousness. Um, and so I have plans for creating a garden of peace that includes sculptures and trails and, and eventually maybe even a temple of beauty, um, mm. just as a place that that could happen. And I would just love to also have the network be strengthened so more and more artists and visionaries and creators of consciousness can connect and feel like this, this living lattice work that I, I often have the image that as the world falls apart, which it is kind of many old structures are necessarily going to be crumbling, that we, we are weaving like this net of light. And some pieces will fall through the net because they're no longer going to be part of what's emerging. And then the net is also catching and, and, you know, transforming 
and, and holding and creating a space for a new civilization. I really believe that artists are the antenna for the race and that we are meant to serve that highest unfoldment of humanity by, by really holding the conduit open to receive the visions that are coming to us. Definitely. Yeah. And it's just, from our perspective, it's not that there's bad and wrong and all of that going on as much as it is that the old systems um, have in many cases served the purpose of the time and now they're outdated and nowhere in nature, you know, is any structure or entity living and lasting forever. It transforms and makes way for other growth. That's exactly so. right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of the ideas of say like Descartes and the things that we're critical of now were breakthroughs at the time. Mm. And each new paradigm liberates, but eventually becomes suffocating. So. Yes. Yeah, that's poignant. Excellent. Well, and so do you have a, I know your book's not going to be out until 2020 of May. Do you have a title that you can share? And uh, the yeah, I think, synopsis? I'm not so sure about the title. I think the subtitle is Art, Creativity, and Consciousness. And <laughs> okay. the title might be Awesome. That's great. Life or something like that. I'm not so sure yet. Well, we'd love to have you back when that's ready because we'd love oh, to have you back. Yeah. We'd love to. Thank yeah. you. And, and we'd love to interview your daughter too if she's if she wants to promote her creative work and have a conversation about that. That would be fun. I yeah. will tell her that. Absolutely. And so for we'll link to your site, which of course people can find out <laughs> all the information about signing up. Are you taking signups now for I guess, what are you taking signups now for what event? Because the, all the courses plus the transformative arts. And there's two sites. I am telling you that only because uh, the Awakening Arts Academy site is all of the courses and classes, but the DanaLynnAnderson.com has the ancient future on it. So that's okay. why I want to put both of those out. We will but definitely, yeah. yep. We will have both links on the website so that people can check out what interest them yeah well, we love this we've so loved this time with you thank you so much for sharing your beautiful you. beauty i really enjoyed it i look forward to connecting with you more in the future and collaborating and synergizing same here yes. awesome Thanks. okay thank you take care you too Thanks so much for joining us for the I Create Daily podcast. Please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews and it just helps us get the word out on the I Create Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.